Hi, Angel. Hi there. How are you? Oh, uh, <laughs> well, <laughs> I'm yeah. so glad to be hearing your voice. Yeah, good to hear um, yours. Where are you? I am in Oakland now, which is, okay. yeah, yeah, different Oakland than I was before, but Oakland. I moved right, yeah. right at the onset mm-hmm. of, of all of the pandemic. You were moving as it was unfolding? Mm-hmm. We, we had a, California went into their um, stay-at-home orders on the 18th, on the 17th, and yeah. we, we, had, we were scheduled to move on the 18th. Uh, yeah. So, yeah. Well, I think, um, I, I'm sure Julie explained, you know, we're putting our big, beautiful conversation back on the air, and, um, and I wanted to talk to you kind of right now. You know, for for just you know twenty thirty minutes, um, check in with you. I will say that listening again to the conversation we had several years ago, it feels prescient. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I mean, it it doesn't just feel prescient. It feels like, you know, I don't know that you use the language of this moment. But, you know, you said there is something dying in our society, in our culture, and there's something dying in us individually. And what is dying is the willingness to be in denial. Mm -hmm. And someplace else, you said we are evolving at such a pace. What we're experiencing now in our society, we're just cycling through it. We're digesting the material of the misalignment. We're digesting the material of of how intolerable it is to be intolerant. Mm -hmm. We're digesting the material of 400, 500 years of historical context that we have decided to leave behind our heads and we are choosing to turn over our shoulders and say, I must face this because it is intolerable to live in any other way than a way that allows me to be in contact with my full loving human self. Um, I feel like you named something here that this evolution, we, we, we're in a moment, right? We're using this language of the moment. Mm-hmm. And we, we were already in the moment, you know, right? We were building to this in all its complexity. Yes. Which is not all pretty and not all hopeful, but it's all of a piece. Um, all necessary. So, I, you know... I wonder, yeah, I, were you, I, I, I almost want to ask you, you know, I, I want to ask you how, and I want to ask you this personally as well as in terms of drawing out your wisdom, your spiritual wisdom. Um, I, I wonder if this surprised you. Mm, no, not at all. Mm. Yeah, I think we are, um, this body this body that we call a nation is ready for this. And uh, any body that has had a great amount of toxicity as part of the, its system, you know, has to heave out that toxicity. And mm-hmm. uh, we've had a lot of ways to suppress it and a lot of ways to avoid it and a lot of ways to, you know, purchase things and distract ourselves and watch Netflix and all sorts of other things that we can do. Um, Mm -hmm. 
but we and we have had a long history in this country. It's sort of baked into the structure of the design. I, I talk a lot about the design of this country to have so many people disembodied. And I think that we had mm-hmm. an amazing, extraordinary, painful, and yet collective experience of a sufficient quieting that allowed us to feel this collective body that we are as a nation. Yeah. And there's a whole bunch of individual bodies in there that said, enough. I can't, yeah. I can't tolerate this, what is here, um, because I can feel it now. I can see it. And the uprisings and the particular the potency of George Floyd's, not only his death, the means of his death and the, um, the expression of his death. And I mean that literally, right? The yeah. expression, yeah. the physical embodiment, the expression on the officer's face, uh, the expression of his death through the media, the expression of his death was too much for this body to continue to bear. Yeah. I also think about how soft we were, mm-hmm. our collective body and our individual bodies. Mm-hmm. We'd, we had each and every one of us, in whatever the circumstances of our lives, kind of felt for the ground beneath our feet. Mm-hmm. And our defenses were down. Yeah. There, the pandemic created a... You know, forced retreat is what, <laughs> it's like we were on forced retreat. Um, mm-hmm. and, and, you know, I've done retreat many years. And there's always this point in, during retreat where you feel your not knowing come into, uh, into, into your view. There's, mm-hmm. there's one thing to move around the world and say, oh, you know, I don't know. And, you know, we have not knowing. <laughs> it's another thing to just feel it, to, to come into confrontation with, yeah. with your not knowing. And, and it is tender, as you said, like it is a tender place yeah. to, to be in confrontation with that. And, I, and, and it's different, I think, entirely to have it be not just individual, but to also feel the reverberations of the collective not knowing. And yeah. as, a, as a country, we've never been in anything, I think, in this generation that has been experienced so potently as collective. I think, yeah. I think the presidential election is something that we experienced as a collective. And similarly, there is real splitting in terms of where where it lands in our bodies, right? But it, yeah. but and yet yeah. it was, it, yet it was a collective experience. I'm, I'm curious how, just for you, on a personal level, you know, how did how did this land? How what has it been like? How have you, where did it land in your body? And it had, what's your trajectory been with this time? You know, I, I feel like I've been. Preparing for this, uh, you know, n- not for George Floyd's death, you know, uh, you yeah. know, black black male, black people's, you know, being assailed with impunity, violence, and aggression upon our bodies is not new. Yeah, and 
you know, Eric Garner, when Eric Garner's um, um, murderers were were not were acquitted, uh, I feel like the all of the Kool Aid <laughs> left the back of my throat, <laughs> and that the all of the Kool Aid that was like, oh, we're in a different time. It was like, oh yeah, we're we are not. We're in a different shade of hmm. of history of you know times that repeat themselves and cycle themselves. Uh, and so I feel like from that point on, I got serious mm. about trying to understand how to be prepared for what I felt was, I, I, you know, in order for me to live, I had to feel that it was eventually going, there was eventually going to come a time when white bodied people would not bear this anymore. Mm-hmm. And so how could I participate in advancing that and how could I participate in being ready to respond and have something to say to people when they got here? Mm. Mm-hmm. And I think that is what actually we hear, what we hear listening to things you said a few years ago mm-hmm. that you were actually speaking to now. Well, we, you know, I have this sense of that that the nature of, we often talk about prophecy is something about people talking about the future and i i always think that prophets are talking about now mm-hmm. and that's part of what makes them dangerous is because we are mostly living in the past and i think i said this before we're mostly inhabiting the past and prophets name what's actually happening now and so we turn around and we look and we go oh they were saying something prescient and it's like no they were just talking about now yeah. <laughs> they were talking about now we and then we we catch up you know we catch up to the truth of what of the experience that we're in we we catch up to the truth of what is actually unfolding that we can't reconcile with yet. And, and then we come to a point in which we begin to reconcile the truth of our experience. Mm-hmm. You know, something that's very much on my mind is kind of the overwhelmingness of mm, news and... Mm. What's happening? You know, we we've had we have multiple ruptures, and then, but what I'm also, and I'm I'm you know, you said this several years ago, and I I agree. I, this is an evolutionary moment. I believe that. Um, we're also captive, though, to um, especially you know, I've I've been pretty good at not reading lots of news in general or, you know, going mm-hmm. to social media to see what's been happening in the world. But in these months, it's been hard not to kind of check in, you know, what happened today? What happened this morning? Is, is there something new? But we're so captive to what is being seen and presented. Mm-hmm. And so to me, there's this real spiritual discipline of where we're looking, what we're seeing, what we're taking seriously. Um, I'm just curious, what, where are you looking? Mm-hmm. What are you seeing? You know, when you, as you make sense of this evolutionary moment in its fullness, which is not to not give absolute seriousness to very particular things that happen on particular days, but to see it in that evolutionary light, how do you see 
How do, how do you, what is that spiritual discipline like for you as you practice it just as yourself as a human being? <laughs> I, I practice reading the news, um, you know, just consuming news. And <laughs> that, that has been part of this experience is, I, yeah, it was like, I didn't have a sense of wanting to know what was happening, but wanting to know what we're saying about what is happening. Right. And so I read and have been read, had been reading, maybe it's sort of fallen off a little bit, I think in, it has for many people. I've been uh, reading, I had been reading voraciously because I wanted to know how are we making sense of this? Because I think of that, that is what, what, what I'm trying to do is track how are we making sense of things and, mm -hmm. and what is missing in our sense making? What are we missing at any given moment in our sense making that is leaving these enormous gaps in our embodied experience and our, our ability to tell the truth to ourselves? So uh, I lean in, <laughs> that's my discipline, yeah. is lean, yeah. lean in and I read it and I don't give myself a bunch of, you know, trouble about it. It's just like I read it and I read this. I read um, across different types of uh, media so, you mm -hmm. know, that I'm not stuck with one particular, you know, voice. Yeah. And then I pull back from all of it and um, understand it as of a time, uh, you know, of a time and try to keep that in perspective with this is of a time, we are in a cycle, we are in a particularly, I, I believe we, we all feel now clearly, both the potential and also the desperation of, the un of this unique moment. Yeah. Right? There's both enormous potential and because there's so much potential, there's also real desperation. And I think that that is being read from everyone that is touching this moment, how they, you know, what the storyline is for them <laughs> is different. Yeah. But yeah. there's a real potential. I think that that is so clear. I think that that's why there's such a vehement division and digging in yeah. because there is potential. It's so clear. We're at a turning point. I turned on the, um, you know, the, the, you know, various channels to watch the marches, and I was like, "Oh, this is different. This mm. is this is different. This is not, you know, the protest that will happen, and we'll clamor about the numbers, and then we'll go back to business as usual." And the 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 pandemic gave us the opportunity to have the kind of rising that happens in a body that it makes that decision of like, am I in? Am I in? Yeah, I'm in. Mm -hmm. And and so we saw this rise and I felt that rise. Uh, and mm. and there were points at which I just like pulled back away from it so I could feel feel it in the air, if you will, you know, rather mm. rather than just sort of watching it and say, am I feeling something different here? And I, I feel something different. I feel so clear. Um, there's always going to be backslide. Um, because we're so, you know, we're so prone to going back to what's familiar. Uh, but there are people uh, through a lot of years of work, this is, this is, you know, decades of work 
right? <laughs> and this yeah. is particularly, you know, the last five, six years, the Black Lives Matter movement work. Uh, this is the work of people's response to, you know, they're, you know, being, being um, di- you know, everywhere from dismayed to disgusted about politics uh, and, yeah. and, their, and their willingness to say enough. Mm-hmm. So I think that there, is, there are many people that once upon a time I would have said, yeah, they're, they're just going to go back to sleep. <laughs> and I, but you, that, feels, that feels new. It, it feels like it's not going to happen this time. I feel so clear. So, mm-hmm. so that's where I spend my time now, right? Watching, being connected with people and listening deeply to what is different about their their tone, their commitment, their sense of uh, what they're being about right now. And it is really different. <laughs> I mean, it is just, it's, it's really different. I think it's different in all directions. I, you know, I'm not, mm-hmm. not, not saying there's just one, one different, it, this is a very different moment. Yeah. Yeah. Um, it's, I, I, I love hearing you, you say that. Um, I, I also really appreciate that the nuance of that leaning into the story that's being told of our time in different places, which is what we call the news, mm-hmm. and, and letting it in and also, but letting it in as not here are the facts, but and right. also because when we let them in, is this is this is the truth, or this is what the other side is saying is the truth, and there's this reaction going on or this identification. But you're but by asking, how are we making sense, and how is this particular corner of the world making sense? Mm-hmm. There's a there's a curiosity and a humanity to that. Um, and there's a detachment, I feel, mm-hmm. good Buddhist value, um, I'm cur- which I you know, think I'm, is probably really healthy. It's so much healthier than the attachment. Yeah, I'm, I, I'm curious about how people that watch Fox News are making sense of this. Like, I'm, I'm really, mm-hmm. I'm deeply curious about how we make, how we, how we unfold the narratives of our life that we live by. Like, how is it that we unfold those narratives? How do we take what appears to be, quote unquote, the same information? We're Mm -hmm. so desperate to cling to the idea that there are, there's a truth. And some people tell the truth and some people don't tell the truth. That's true, (laughs) right? Yeah. But there is also the simultaneous co-arising, you know, conflicting, operating at cross purposes, truths that, some people really experience their truth as totally their truth. I don't think what we're in is there are a bunch of people committed to just telling a very false story. I think there are many people that are committed to this is what my truth is, and they're deeply, deeply immersed in that truth. And polarization no matter where you stand on the aisle or the sides or the colors, <laughs> mm-hmm. digs us further into what we believe to be our truths. 
So there is something that is being called for from all of us, I think, to, to transcend our truth. Mm-hmm. Little O, our think, truth, to find, yeah. to find our truth, which is a, which is a big O and a big T right. and, and is a, <laughs> requires a lot from us. Yeah. And that, that understanding the, 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 the fierceness with which one truth is held mm. as ways of making meaning. And I think that, that approaching that is a different way to approach um, the other. You know, when you and I spoke before, um, you used words like faith, hope, and love. You know what you expect from <laughs> a New Testament theologian talking about the book of Romans. But yeah. you, you used all those words um, vividly. But I thought the one I might ask you about another important virtue or way of being in the world was your notion of fearlessness. Mm. I think maybe as we kind of draw to a close, I'd just like to know, how do, what does fearlessness look to, like to you now? What, what is it in your body? And how do you nurture it? How do you cultivate it? And this now. Yeah. The way that I live into the idea of fearlessness is that we have always in front of us a possibility uh, of how it is that our life is going to unfold. And then there is the reality as we experience it, right? There's both this possibility and there is the reality we're experiencing and the distance between the reality that we experience and the possibility is the actions that we take. And those actions that we take are rooted in how firmly we are grounded in that possibility. So I often think about the possibility of America that has never existed for most of us. And what it takes for me to think about being able to continuously have a sense of um, meeting the energy, meeting the fire, meeting the pain of what America is and the ways that it has failed me and failed so many people is to stay really grounded in the possibility that it can come into being that I need to be fearless. I have to have a kind of fearlessness around holding that that possibility that wasn't dreamt for me, that wasn't structured for me, that no one designed for me Mm -hmm. is my possibility too. And it, and I am the one that gets to make, take the actions that unfolds that for me. So in the same way that there are some people that really, really believe that this country, this nation, you know, the world belongs to them and there are certain ways that it should be shaped and I should be located in certain places in it, I hold with uh, <laughs> fierceness the, mm-hmm. the possibility that there is, uh, I like to say, a new America that depends on me being absolutely 
rooted in this sense of fearlessness about that possibility is mine. It's always available to me. It depends on me, and I'm not waiting for anyone else to bring it about. And and even when we do the best actions or the best actions we see, I mean, there's also a lot of injustice and or even you could even look at you know the hazards of the natural world right mm. i mean yeah. there's there are a lot of things that happen that that thwart our best actions so how so i really wonder like how personally like how do you cultivate this fearlessness I mean, how does that work, and how do you keep that alive, that fierceness, which has to coexist with, with you know, also the the chaos of existence and the uh, the unpredictability that feels especially acute right now of what will happen next? Like, how do you how do you how do you keep that? You know, we have this idea of. Um Emptiness, and a lot of people in the in the Buddhist tradition, and particularly Zen, talks a lot about emptiness. Mm-hmm. And uh, because of the way the Western mind thinks, we think empty, right? And it goes to you know less, right? It means less. And I like to think of the same character or the same concept of emptiness as boundless. So mm-hmm. when I think of this sense of boundless, I feel that I'm not bound by time. Mm-mm. And so in any given moment, I am living both the, the past, right? I'm living on behalf of my ancestors and all that they did to arrive at this moment. They, my existence is proof that my ancestors' sense of fearlessness about their possibility actually came to be. Mm-hmm. My, mm-hmm. I am my... Despite everything that happened to them. Despite everything that happened to them. I'm proof. I'm living proof in this moment. And, in, and therefore, in any given moment, all of the possibilities that exist, my actions that are giving over to the, given over to the future are also happening right now. So I'm not bound by time. I'm both past, present, and future. So if, mm-hmm. I, if I get bound by time, I think it should all happen in my time. It didn't all happen in my ancestors' time. It may not all happen in my time. But the possibility is always unfolding. And what do you have specific practices that help you cultivate that that way of thinking and seeing, or is this just so ingrained now in in all your practice? And I mean, I think it's ingrained in all my practice, and I have particular practices that I've I've really lived with this sense of returning. You know, I think of mm-hmm. it as, uh, you know, really returning to what matters and, and all of the, you know, if I'm, if I'm honing and refining and being really attentive to what is it that really matters in any given mm-hmm. moment and uh, the, the things that seem excessively important in a moment fall to the mm-hmm. wayside uh, when I think about my contribution to the future, when I think about my contribution to what is to come, whatever mm-hmm. is happening that feels like this annoyance, this frustration, this difficult person, this person doesn't agree with me, you know, this person doesn't have my interest in mind, an interest in heart, 
that I can live and transcend this, this moment and live beyond that person, beyond that moment. And my actions come from there, from being able to return over and over again to what matters. Mm-hmm. And I, I really try to stay, or not stay, I want to be really clear. I don't try to stay in what matters, I return to what matters. Okay. I return. Well, thank you so much. Thanks for being out there and uh, doing your part <laughs> for our common future um, and for your teaching and, yeah, just your presence. I, It's really wonderful to speak with you again. Yeah, it's good to talk to you. And I, you know, I just want to say I... I I feel so clear that there are way more people that are participating in this unfolding that is happening right now than has ever felt true to me in my lifetime. So I'm Mm. really, really happy to not feel, uh, I never felt alone, right? But I felt, (laughs) Mm. I, I, Mm. I felt, I, I felt alone, not alone only by faith. And now I feel alone, not alone because there's real tangible experience of people wanting to decide that we, we want to be in our humanity. We want to be reconnected to each other in ways that we've never been allowed to be connected before. And I feel really, really positive and hopeful about that. I feel like that's such a reality check, what you just said. It's kind of, right? It, and it doesn't, you, you know, a, a certain kind of way of seeing all of this could see it as hopeful and Pollyannish, but instead I think it is a reality check. It's pulling back from all the interpretations and the focus and kind of telling it like it is in the, um, what was the word you used? Not emptiness, but... Boundless. Boundlessness in yeah. that actual boundlessness of reality. Yeah. Yeah. If we can, st- if we can stay there, if we, I mean, not, re- not stay, if we can return, we have to leave. <laughs> We're humans, right? We have to yeah. get down to the business of, you know, tying our shoes and, and uh, yeah. taking care of babies and things. But if we can return to our sense of boundlessness, mm-hmm. it brings everything into perspective um, it doesn't, which doesn't take away the pain of the moment, uh, but that pain doesn't have to be something that we, we don't have to live into the pain. You know, we can live, yeah. we can live through it. Yeah. Angel, thank you so much. Thank you. Blessings to you. Yeah, blessings to you. Hope to okay. see you soon. <laughs> <laughs>